You're listening to The Spiritual Awakening Show. I go by Brent Spirit, and I'm a spiritual teacher and intuitive guide here to support you on your journey of transformation. On this podcast, I like to clear up some common misunderstandings that I come across, and today I'll be addressing the somewhat controversial topic of why spiritual teachers and guides charge money for their work, sometimes a lot of money. We look at some of the obvious reasons for why this is. We'll address the negative stigma around money. We'll dive deep into some very nuanced points relating to culture, boundaries, and business. As well, I'll share a little bit about my own experience with this topic. Visit brentspirit.com or find me on Instagram at brentspirit to find more free content and to connect with me with any questions about your spiritual journey and transformational process. Now, let's talk money. So I'm sure you've observed it, people offering spiritual wisdom, support, guidance, and insight in exchange for money. Perhaps you're one of the many people who have no qualms about it. You get it. It's no big deal. If so, this episode isn't specifically for you, though you may enjoy my deep dive into the nuances of this topic. However, maybe you're unsure of the validity of why spiritual guidance sometimes costs money, sometimes a lot of money. Maybe you feel that because spirituality is all about kindness and love, that spiritual support should be given freely. Perhaps you're suspicious of anyone that offers their services with a price tag. Maybe you feel they're greedy business people, bottom feeders, or straight up scumbags. I get why you may feel this way. I felt this way in the past myself before I came to understand. I want to clear some of it up for you with a thorough explanation of the multitude of reasons for why money is an important tool used within a spiritual dynamic at times. Not always, but sometimes. Before we dive deep, I want to preface this by saying yes, I am a spiritual teacher and yes, I do charge money. This episode is not a means of persuading anyone into paying me. For the record, I have hours and hours of free offerings available and at the time of publishing this episode, I'm more than willing to respond to any emails or messages and answer any of your questions for absolutely free. The only thing I charge for is to meet with me one-on-one and if you're unable to afford my rate, I accept whatever you can offer and if you cannot offer anything, Even then, you won't be turned away. I intend to continue this way of serving for as long as it is sustainable for me. So now that we got that out of the way, let's continue. So the other day on Facebook, I noticed that a particular spiritual teacher had posted that they were offering one-on-one sessions to those who may be called to meet with them seeking guidance. These sessions came with a significant price tag and still the slots were all sold out very quickly. But within the comments, I noticed a few people complaining. They were essentially shaming the teacher for charging what they were charging. Now that spiritual teacher didn't need me to come to their defense in the comments section, and I typically never jump into online discussions to share my opinion. I observe, and then I use my own platform, this podcast or my blog, to speak my mind if I feel like it. So I'm just speaking for myself here. Other spiritual teachers may have very differing viewpoints. I want you to keep that in mind. And that's what this episode is about. So there's a Sanskrit term. Guru Dakshina. The definition, pulled straight from Wikipedia, is Guru Dakshina refers to the tradition of repaying one's teacher or guru after a period of study or the completion of formal education, or an acknowledgement to a spiritual guide. The tradition is one of acknowledgement, respect, and thanks. It is a form of reciprocity and exchange between student and teacher. The repayment is not exclusively monetary and may be a special task that this teacher wants the student to accomplish. So this tradition of paying a spiritual guide goes back millennia. It's nothing new. 
It's found throughout the traditional texts. It isn't necessarily something forced or absolutely required. It can also be given voluntarily too. Sometimes, we like to romanticize the past as if everything was perfectly ideal back then. If we see money as something dirty, we may imagine that back then, money wasn't important and that the great teachers of the past gave their support freely. Then when we look today, we see teachers that are charging money and we're confused and upset about it. Well, Guru Dakshina has been going on for a long time, and for good reason. Let's get the more obvious reasons out of the way so that we can dive into some more nuanced points on the matter as well. So of course, giving money to a spiritual teacher shows appreciation and respect. And it's a way of saying, I value what you're sharing and so I'm offering value to you in the form of money. Money isn't the devil. It's a neutral tool that can be used for almost anything. It's not inherently bad, dirty, or evil. When we see this, then we can see why it's a great way to exchange value and energy, even with spiritual teachers and guides who are still humans living in the same society as we are where money is necessary to get by. So from a practical standpoint, even a spiritual teacher needs to pay bills and whatnot. Putting out content costs money, whether it's the tools, the online subscriptions, maybe there are courses to learn how to publish content online, and so on. The roof over one's head while they offer their services costs money too. So those are the more obvious reasons for why spiritual guidance costs money. Now let's look into some of the deeper points. So though Guru Dakshina has been around for a long time, most notably in the East, it is important to acknowledge that the idea is arguably even more necessary today in the West. In a general sense, in the East, it is systemically ingrained within the culture to respect and support those that have dedicated themselves to the spiritual path. Householders, those with families, regular jobs, and worldly responsibilities, recognize that though they may not have the time to cultivate a deep meditation practice or sadhana to cultivate good karma and attain liberation in this lifetime, they can still work on their karma by supporting the monks, nuns, sadhus, and yogis, as well as the spiritual teachers who have dedicated their lives to the spiritual path. So within the culture in the East, Householders often offer support to the spiritual community in the form of donations, food, sometimes giving them a place to stay, sometimes even hiring them for their ritual and prayer services for certain events like weddings, childbirths, funerals, and the like. Within the cultures in the East, someone that has left worldly life behind in exchange for spiritual pursuits can still sustain themselves with the support of their community of householders. Everyone benefits in this way. In the West, this system does not work. Someone wearing orange robes on the street is not typically recognized as a respectable spiritual aspirant. It's not within the culture to feed them or to take these people in out of respect for their dedication to the spiritual path like we may observe in the East. Instead, they would likely be lumped in with the general homeless population and seen as a more of a nuisance than someone doing spiritual work for the overall development of humanity as a whole. So this is one reason why spiritual work looks different in the West. This is why it is sometimes sold with a price tag. That's how the culture is. This is not a bad way of doing things, it's just a different way of doing things. I repeat, this is not a bad way of doing things, it's just a different way of doing things. So of course, this is a generalization I'm making. I understand that you can't just go anywhere in the East, put on some orange robes, call yourself a yogi or a monk or a nun, and suddenly everyone will support you in the name of good karma. This is just a general overview of the topic in broad strokes. So here's another idea to explore. Almost all spiritual teachers and guides that charge for some of their services have content available for free or for very reasonable prices as well. Typically, within their low-cost content, 
all the answers that a person might need can be found there. Of course, it may take some time to go through their body of work to find it, but there's nothing there to complain about. In most places, a person can borrow a book for free from a library and benefit from some of the most refined teachings and insight that a guide has to offer. Those guides and those teachers have worked with editors and publishers to put out incredibly clear, in-depth content, and it's available for free or for a low cost if you really must purchase the book. Sometimes, I buy books from authors that I like, and I don't even read them. I just buy them to support their work because I benefited from their free content, and it's my way of saying thank you. Many people need a tangible means of saying thank you. This is a very subtle point. For some people, if they don't have an outlet to show their appreciation, they are left feeling unsatisfied. Gratitude and appreciation are some of the highest vibratory frequencies we can experience and express. Some people are not able to express their gratitude fully simply through words alone. They feel a deep need to give something tangible in exchange. They want to give to their spiritual teachers and guides. And from their point of view, they must give something back in order to feel balanced and satisfied with their exchange. So believe it or not, some people absolutely insist on giving their teachers some sort of payment, not solely for the benefit of the teacher, but for their own benefit too. And for some people, it feels good to give and to know that they have balanced things out in that way. So this doesn't mean that this form of giving and this form of balancing has to come in the form of money. It can come in the form of a donation to a good cause, in paying it forward, in a favor, in an exchange of services, in volunteering, and so on. But for many, the most straightforward means is by giving money. And so that's one reason why spiritual services sometimes come with a price tag. Because some people, quite simply, truly want to pay. So if someone has been given hours of low-cost or even free content in the form of books and whatnot, and they are still not satisfied and would like to sit with a teacher one-on-one or attend their live webinar or in-person retreat, isn't it reasonable to expect that there should be a significantly higher cost associated with those services? Custom work in any industry is expensive. If you'd like a custom answer to your specific question, it's not unreasonable to expect that it's going to cost you. Just because someone's work is related to spirituality doesn't mean that it should just be given freely. That's the misunderstanding that I'm attempting to clear up here. Another reason that spiritual guidance costs money is because charging a fee is a powerful means to maintain healthy boundaries. Even a great spiritual master must maintain healthy boundaries. They can't just open their time, energy, and space up to everyone in a free-for-all. That's not sustainable. They'll be burned out and won't be able to maintain their work. So by putting up a cost for their time and services, other people are able to recognize that the dynamic is a serious, professional one that should be treated appropriately. The dynamic is not the same as two casual buddies meeting for a drink. You wouldn't charge your friend to meet with you to hang out. In the same way, you shouldn't expect a spiritual teacher or guide to meet with you for free. They are different dynamics with different boundaries. Of course, they may meet with you for free, but it shouldn't be something that you expect. And they shouldn't be shamed if they're not willing to. The most obvious distinction is that friends who don't charge each other money can go to each other for support equally. With a spiritual teacher and a spiritual aspirant, the spiritual teacher cannot go to the aspirant for support. So, to make things balanced, money is a great tool. In the past, when I first began this work, I was still learning to navigate this dynamic. I wanted to help others as much as I could, 
and I wasn't mindful of my boundaries. I found myself sitting with people as friends with no exchange of money or any discussion of that, but I was not treated as a friend. Instead, I was just vented to and emotionally vomited on. They were not interested in hearing about how I was doing, like a friend would be, nor did they offer to help me in some other way. On top of that, when I tried to offer some guidance and insight, it was often not well received or even acknowledged. Sometimes it was actively resisted. So this is what happens when, out of the kindness of one's heart and the dedication to service, there are no proper boundaries in place. Neither side truly benefits. Time and energy are wasted. So when I began stating that there is a fee to meet with me to discuss spiritual matters and challenges, all of that shifted. Now, I'm more than willing to have people vent to me because the exchange of money balances the dynamic out. Like I said, at this point in my work, I'm able to offer my services in exchange for whatever a person is comfortable with giving me, if they cannot afford my standard rate. That's fine. It's not about the money. I have other means of income outside of spiritual work. It's about the boundaries that putting a price tag on these services creates. It's about a person recognizing that this is not a friendly dynamic. It's more serious than that, and it should be respected and treated as such. So even if someone is not able to offer any money, but they simply state that they do recognize the value in what I might have to offer and that they respect my time, that alone is enough for me to feel safe going into a meeting with them because I can sense that they're not trying to approach me in a casual way like a friend. They just have to say that they're not in a position to offer any money due to their budget. From that point, whatever I share will be received appropriately as opposed to being taken for granted like in the past. And it's totally fine, truly. I've been there before. The spiritual path can turn your whole life upside down and income isn't always a steady thing during this process. Sometimes we're forced to be broke because that's how we develop trust and surrender and really learn how to manifest abundance in our lives. So in the midst of the most intense periods of my kundalini process, I couldn't afford to meet with one of my spiritual teachers. They knew this and still they gave me nuggets of insight in the very brief encounters that we had between their other appointments. At one point, someone had given me a gift card for the movies as a birthday present or something. And it's all that I had to my name that was even remotely appropriate for me to give away as a gift to someone else. So I re-gifted it to my teacher with a note that said thank you for all the support. And I acknowledged them in writing as one of my teachers. So it sounds kind of bizarre, giving a spiritual teacher some movie tickets, but it's really all I had I wanted to give something. I wanted them to know that I wasn't naive to the fact that what they were offering me was extremely valuable. I wasn't taking their wisdom for granted and I wasn't just seeing them as a casual friend. And I believe the message was well received. Later on, I was able to find some opportunities to drive them to their appointments sometimes as they didn't have a car. And in the car, they would bless me with great wisdom and energy. I didn't have much money, but I was able to repay them by driving them. And it felt balanced and mutually beneficial. So don't get too fixated on the idea that money is the only means of showing appreciation. It's just the most efficient and easy way. So if you have it, take advantage of that. You typically do need a close relationship with a teacher to be able to offer help in other ways though, and I do understand that. But if you're open and receptive, interesting ways of manifesting abundance and opportunities do come your way that can almost circumnavigate the whole idea of money if that is something that you choose or wish to explore. Eventually, the ideal aim is to come to a point where you're not afraid to recognize that money is neutral and that it can be used with great intention to accomplish incredible things. So the fact of the matter is, people typically don't appreciate free stuff. There's a simple example of this. 
Maybe you've heard this story. A violinist was playing on the street. Nobody stopped to appreciate their music. No crowd formed. People just went about their day. Later that night, that same violinist was playing a massive venue, completely sold out. The violin that they were playing in the street had a price tag of millions, and they were playing the same music on the street as they did in the venue. But nobody appreciated them when it was for free on the street. So I've noticed this with my own business as a photographer too. Early on in my career, I would do photography for my friends for free. I wanted to practice, refine my process, and develop my portfolio. Not every time, but sometimes my friends would show up late, they would cancel last minute, or they would not really be too interested in the photography that I was doing. They didn't take my work and time seriously. They had no reason to. It was too casual of a dynamic, and I wasn't taking my own work seriously. So how could I expect them to? But when I began charging people what I felt my photography work was worth, the frequency of people disrespecting my time decreased immensely and the appreciation for my art went way up. So given all that I've said, we can see that a spiritual teacher needs to pay bills and money is important for maintaining boundaries and a dynamic of receptiveness of the guidance that is being offered. But you may be wondering, why don't they just charge the bare minimum that they need to get by? Why charge so much more? Well, when you put a high price tag on something, people begin to care much more deeply and the whole dynamic shifts. Invite people to pay a good price for spiritual support and it's much better received and taken seriously. There is also the opportunity cost associated with offering spiritual services to people one-on-one or in small groups. For example, instead of meeting with individuals and small groups, a teacher could spend their time writing a book that could go on to sell millions of copies and help many more people for centuries after they're gone. It's not fair to forego those opportunities to only meet with a few people in exchange for a minimal payment. If someone wants to meet one-on-one with a celebrated teacher who many others would like to meet with as well, the price goes up. That's how the market works. And it's perfectly reasonable for a spiritual teacher to charge as much as people are willing to spend. That spiritual teacher that I mentioned earlier was charging a lot of money, and still they sold out all their slots. Perhaps they could have charged even more. And what they do with that money is none of our concern, really. But we could speculate that perhaps it could fund a long hiatus while they take a break to advance the new levels of awakening and bring forth new material for all to benefit from. They could be giving all their money away. We don't know. It's nobody's business to shame a teacher for their prices, especially considering that, like I mentioned, most have tons of free work out there anyway. So specifically in those comments on that teacher's post on Facebook, I saw one comment that said, Nobody who desperately needs your support can afford your price. And this is simply not true. There are plenty of wealthy people who are completely lost on their spiritual path that would gladly pay whatever it takes to find clarity. Let's not pretend that the challenges of spiritual development are only faced by those who are broke. Daryl Anka is a man that is a great channel for an interdimensional being named Bashar. Daryl charges a significant amount for his channeling services through which he brings forth Bashar's wonderful messages. When asked why he charges what he does, Bashar said something along the lines of, Look, everyone has access to this information. It's within. If you would like to be a channel, it's possible for you to become one too. Everyone can do it. If you don't want to pay for the information, go ahead and get it yourself. What spiritual guides are offering is a service. Truly, 
everyone has the intuitive ability to tune in through meditation and presence and receive all the answers that they need. If for whatever reason they're not able to do that, not willing to try, or they would simply prefer to get it from another person, well, it's likely going to cost them. And that's only fair. The spiritual guide had to put in work, just as Daryl had to put in work to become a skilled channel. Spiritual teachers have had to put in incredible amounts of effort and commitment to get to the advanced stages of the awakening process. It's not easy. So if someone wants to use services for spiritual guidance, it comes with a price. Now please, don't feel like this is an inequitable situation. Don't fall into the victimhood mentality of only the rich can get the help that they need. That may apply to things like education and healthcare and whatnot, but that doesn't apply to the spiritual dimension. Guidance always comes if we are receptive. Guidance always comes if we are receptive. Literally, if there's a book that you need to read, it wouldn't surprise me if it fell out of the sky and hit you on the head. These things happen. In a dream, the greatest masters of all time can come and offer you life-changing insight and healing. In a book, a blog post, a podcast, a video, a vision, you can find the answer that you need. Through synchronicity and being in the flow, you won't have to look very hard or for very long. You'll find what you need, or rather, it will find you. It may just pop into your head spontaneously too. This has been a regular occurrence for me for over a decade, and it's extremely common with anyone on the path. A fun game I play is visiting thrift stores looking for rare spiritual books. One day, I'll make a video of some of my finds. I found so many gems packed with insight. Some can't even be found online for sale because they're so uncommon, and they cost me no more than a couple bucks each. So even if one cannot afford to pay for it, guidance still comes in other interesting, exciting ways. But if we put up blocks from a place of scarcity, playing the victim and wondering why spiritual support is sometimes out of our budget, we will be blind to the other accessible opportunities within our reach. So I hope I've been able to clear some things up around this topic for you. I hope that I don't scare anyone off from reaching out to me via email at info at brentspirit.com or on Instagram at brentspirit. I'm more than happy to connect with you all and to share what I can through those avenues without a fee. I use my connection with you all to inspire new content and to further deepen my own spiritual process too. I employ boundaries by only responding when I have the time and energy, so there's no need to feel like you're taking advantage of me by reaching out. I'm not trying to push anyone away with what I've shared in this episode. Please understand this. My intention was to share an open, honest, and transparent point of view from the perspective of a spiritual teacher on the topic of charging money for spiritual guidance. Of course, if you'd like to meet with me one-on-one, you can find out more at brentspirit.com sessions. There is a fee, but for as long as I'm able to, I will not turn anyone away due to budget issues. I have been helped immensely for free by many. And so this is my way of paying it forward. I wish you all abundance. Until next time, much love. Peace.